Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight, the Lord being my helper, about your purpose. Your purpose. I believe that every person that's born is born with a destiny, born with a purpose, that you were created for a reason. Ephesians 1.11 says this, In Him we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Now catch this, according to the plan of Him. God had a plan when He created you. God had a plan when he created me and he's working out everything. Matter of fact, what you're going through right now is part of the very plan that God has to work out his ultimate destiny for your life. You may be going through a very hard time right now and not understand anything that's going on. You may be thinking, God, where are you? And the reality of it is the Bible says he is working it out right now to conform you to his plan that you will fulfill the purpose of his will. Tell me what is it if you just receive all the accolades of this world and everybody pats you on the back and everybody tells you how wonderful you are, but you stand before God having missed the purpose that you were created for. In heaven's eyes, we're a failure, aren't we? Jesus said, I am come to do the will of him that sent me. So the purpose that God has for us is our priority as a believer. And the sad thing about it is, guys, most people don't know what that purpose is. They'll say it's something that God wants me to do. I don't know what it is, but it's something that God wants me to do. Everything that God has designed is designed to fulfill His intended purpose. Look at everything that God created. The sun fulfills a purpose, doesn't it? The moon fulfills a purpose. The earth fulfills a purpose. The seasons fulfill a purpose. And if God does that with nature, how much more will He do that for us? There's a purpose that we are also to be fulfilled. And I'm going to say something to you. The enemy is mad enough that he is, he is not being able to keep you from Jesus. He's mad enough that you've already gotten born again. He's mad enough that you've already gotten saved. Now, the only thing that he can do to stop you from glorifying the Father is to keep you from finding out and fulfilling the purpose that will bring glory to God. See, when we stand before the Lord one day, we will be rewarded according to what we've done for Christ. Not the things that, not how much money you've got in the bank. Not how wonderful people on this world tells you that you are, but what heaven says about us is really going to account for eternity. So we've got to understand that our priority is to find and understand God's intended purpose, why he created us. And every single one of us here have been created for a reason. Now look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And we see now the beginning of, of God creating man in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And he makes him a little different than he does the rest of the creation. Look what it says in verse 26. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created him male and female. Now, in that passage right there, we see three purposes for the creation of man. When God created man, he had a reason, he had a plan that he wanted to fulfill when he created mankind in his own image. The first one is to reflect God's likeness. How many know that? 
How many know that we're supposed to be a reflection of all the God the Father is? That we're being conformed to his image and likeness right now. That every day the Holy Spirit is working 24 hours a day to make you and I like Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? How many want to be like Jesus? I want to be like him more and more. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. I don't like anything that's alive about me. But I like everything that's alive in me about Jesus. So we're to reflect the image of God. That's one, who we are. We were created to reflect his likeness. Number two, how we live to have dominion. God created man to have dominion over his creation. But we know that when the fall took place, Satan took dominion, and now he is the God of this world. Just look at the newspapers, look at television, look at what's going on in our society today. It's no secret that the devil is in control of this world system. But guess what? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And the church that I build, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. God is raising up a mighty army that's created in the likeness and image of the Father. And we're going to take back that which the devil has stolen. But we're going to take it back, not with carnal weapons. Amen. For the weapons of all warfare are mighty through God. They're not carnal. And we're going to take back, hallelujah, our dominion that Adam lost in the garden. Hallelujah. And it's happening all the time. The more you and I understand about who we are, the more you and I understand about what God's word says, the more dominion we have. God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of Knowledge. 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 Intimate knowledge of God's word. See, the devil is like a Philadelphia lawyer, honey. He wants to cheat you out of everything. The way that he cheats you out of it, he gets you to be ignorant of what God's word says. If you're suffering in any part of your life, any area of your life that has a deficiency, I promise you because you don't know the truth on it according to God's word. If you learn the truth on it, you'll have dominion over it, praise God, and you'll get victory. Amen? Amen. So one, we're to reflect God's image. Number two, we're to have dominion. Amen? And number three, he says, be fruitful and multiply. Number one, what, who we are. Number two, how we live. Number three, what we do. What we do is that we are fruitful and we multiply. Well, how can I be fruitful if I don't know what kind of tree I am? (laughs) There is some strange fruit in the body of Christ, but that's okay. Because there's different kind of fruit for different kind of purposes. Let me say this to you. The seeds of your destiny are in you now. You were created with them. Amen. You were created to produce a certain kind of fruit. You were. It's in you now. Everybody say, it's in me now. It's in you now. Right now, the seed of it. You remember when God created all the plants and the herbs? He said, the seed is within itself. The seed is within itself. The seed is within you right now to produce the fruit that will bring glory to the Father. Now, what is that seed? Well, see, hear me say this to you. Sometimes the obvious is so familiar it becomes invisible. In other words, everybody else can see your ability except you. Somebody tells you something about yourself and you go, oh, no, not me. Oh, man, I can't do that. (laughs) Right? Don't we do that? We don't see it because it's so familiar to us, it's invisible. You know, you'll walk into somebody's house and you'll look at some kind of piece of furniture or art and you'll go, wow, that's wonderful. And they don't even notice anymore because it's been hanging in there so long. So your gifts, those abilities that you have, those talents that God created you with may be so familiar to you that they're invisible. And you've got to discover them by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, 8. By this the Father is glorified. How do you glorify the Father? This is it. That you bear much fruit. 
So the priority of our existence is to do the will of, which, of him that created us. And then Jesus said, if you want to glorify the Father, you've got to bear much fruit. And then he says, so will you be my disciples. So the earmark of discipleship is to bear fruit. Amen. And to reflect the image and likeness of the Father. Glory to God. And to have dominion. Oh, amen. I believe that the Lord wants us to take control over the situations that are taking control of us. There shouldn't be one single solitary thing that you should be in bondage to. The word of God can break every yoke. I said the word of God can break every yoke. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're struggling with. I don't care what habit that has have you enslaved. The power of God's word can break every yoke and set you free. Amen. I know that it can. You shall know the truth and the what? The truth shall set you free. The problem why most people are bound is they don't know the truth. And the devil is holding back the truth, hiding it from you, so you can't find the key that will set your captive soul free. Let me tell you what fruit is. Let me give you a definition that I like. Fruit is the visible expression of power working inwardly and invisibly. It's the character of the fruit being evidence of the character of the power producing it. Let me break that down for you. It's the visible expression of that which is on the side of you being motivated and generated by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through your personality. That's why there's different manifestations, guys. My personality, when the Holy Spirit flows through it, it is manifested maybe in a totally different personality than yours. That's okay. It's not better, better, better. It's different, different, different. Amen. And different is good, amen? The hand is different than the eye. The eye is different than the ear. The ear is different than the foot. But they're all necessary for the body to function in perfection. Amen. So don't worry about if you're different than somebody else. That's a good thing. Understand that's a good thing. Be who you are. Be who God created you. And see, a lot of people get, get enamored with a person's gift. And they'll go, well, I really would like to do that. I'd really like to be that. I'd like to go ahead and be a part of that. And what happens is when you begin to take on someone else's gifting, you suppress that which God created you to be. And you become an imitation, not an original. Now look, my hand right there can probably serve pretty good by getting me around without my eyes. You know what? People that are blind, they have to get around with their touch and their feel. But you know what? It's not near as good as the eye functioning in its place. Amen? So you may do something halfway as good as someone that was created or designed to do it. But you can really do something really well if you do what God created you to do. Amen? So what we've got to do is find out what God has called us to do. Luke chapter 6, 43 says this. A good tree bringeth forth not corrupt fruit. Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. But listen, every tree is known by his own fruit. Every tree is known by his own fruit. Now, this is a real key. If you want to understand what it is that God has called and created you to do, you've got to, first of all, understand that the seed within you right now that you were born with is producing some kind of fruit. Amen? Something is being produced in you. There is probably an inkling. It may be a small, little, tiny, tiny little orange on the far north branch of your tree. But that tiny little orange is an indication that you're an orange tree. Hallelujah. You can quit your guessing, praise God. I'm not a peach tree. I'm not an apple tree. Hallelujah. I'm not a cherry tree. I'm an orange tree. How do I know that? Because there's a tiny little green orange on the north branch of my tree. 
That's a good thing. That gets you at least to recognize. So there are things that are small in your eyes, but nonetheless, there are characteristics that indicate who you really are. You've got to identify your fruit. Everybody say you've got to identify your fruit. You've got to identify your fruit. If you don't identify your fruit, you're going to imitate instead of emanate. We don't need to imitate. We need to emanate what's inside of us. Amen. So how do we identify our fruit? How do we identify the seeds that we've been born with? How do we understand the genetic code for which we were created? The first one is, for a Christian, is the witness of the Holy Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you are? Amen. Amen? And if you begin to start proclaiming you're this or you're that, you'll either get a witness or you won't get a witness in your heart. Your heart of hearts will tell you, eh, that's not it. Right. And you'll try to endeavor to do something in that particular area and you won't have very much fruit or little fruit. But when you really begin to start understanding who you are and you begin to proclaim and operate in that, the Holy Spirit will witness with your heart with a peace that passes all understanding. The first thing is the witness of the Holy Spirit. The next thing is understand what your natural strengths and talents already are. All right. I've always had an ability to communicate even before I came into the kingdom. So you, would, you might already ascertain that one of the gifts that God would have me to have when he got rid of the kingdom was to preach and teach the gospel. Amen? So what are your natural strengths? What is your natural ability? What is easy for you that is difficult for others? What is easy for you that is difficult for others? See, when you're straining to try to produce an apple and you're an orange tree, honey, it's real difficult. You've got to work real hard to do it. But if you're operating in your natural gift, if you're operating in that which God has ordained for you to, honey, it comes just as easy and natural as falling off a log. If you're trying too hard, you're doing it wrong. I said if you're trying too hard, you're doing it wrong. What did Jesus say? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen. Come and find rest. Easy, light, rest. Are any of those adjectives hard? Right? If you're trying too hard, you're doing it wrong. It should be a natural expression of who you are already. It comes because it's already within you. You just develop it. You just operate in it. And boom, there it is. So what are your natural strengths? What are your abilities? What is easy for you that is difficult for others? That's an indication. What is your vision? Let me give you a real good test. If you could do anything that you could think of and know without a shadow of a doubt that you would have 100% success, what would that be? I mean, there's no way you could fail. There's no way you know that if you did it, you would have 100% success. What would that thing be? You got it in your mind? Hallelujah. Now, let me just test that little idea. Okay, you say, well, I do this. I know that I do this. If I know that I couldn't fail, then I would do this right here. All right. What if you won the Reader's Digest $5 million sweepstakes? Would that change what you had intended to do in the first place? If it would, then the motivation of what you want to do is money and not God's will for your life. But if it would enhance that, you would say, oh, hallelujah, yeah. If I got $5 million, then I could do this in a greater way. You're on track then. You're on track. Then you've taken away the motivation of just making money. And you've really gotten down to the real core of what your vision is. Because if you don't have a plan, you ain't going to have a purpose. I said, without a vision, the people what? perish. And whatever it is that is inside of you, you are willing to give 100% to for the rest of your life. You're not even thinking about it. It would be a joy for you to do it. 
That's how you know what's your purpose. And what have others told you about yourself? Now, this is a real test. If you really want to know what your gifts are, ask your wife. She'll tell you. Well, your gift is laziness. I'll just tell you right up front. <laughs> your, gift is la- your gift is watching television on Sunday. That's your gift. No, I'm teasing. But really, the people that know you, they'll be able to tell you some things about you. And it's okay. Listen to what they've got to say because they're seeing things that you're not seeing. So whatever it is that you have may be obvious to others, but not so obvious to you. Ask people, do you think that I'm a teacher? Do you think that I have the vision to do this type of ministry? Ask them and they'll be able to tell you. And then what would you like to be remembered for when you die? What would you like to be remembered for? Here lies John Doe. Right? Have you ever noticed on the gravestone... There's two dates on that gravestone. There is the date of birth, and then there is the date that the person died. Is that right? In between the date of birth and the date that the person died, there's a dash there. You know what that dash represents? That dash represents your whole entire life. What will you do with that dash? How will people remember you when they stand in front of your gravestone and read the day that you were born and the day that you died? What you have been given by God is within you right now. I said it's within you right now. Now in the body of Christ, the analogy of the body is very clear. It says that every member has a function. If you have your scriptures, look over here to Romans chapter 12 and verse 4. Let's look over here. I want you to see something here that Paul gives an apt description of the body. Romans chapter 12 and verse 4 says this. For there are many members in one body and all the members have not, have not, have not the same office. So understand that all members do not have the same office. All members do not have the same function. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Flip over one book. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's look at verse 7. If you have it, say amen. But the manifestation of the Spirit, notice this, is given to every man. That means everyone has a motivation and manifestation of the Spirit. It's given to every man. So there are many members, but one body. Many manifestations, and they're given to everyone. So in this room right here, there are many people that have parts of the body. And the problem is, is that they're operating individually instead of operating collectively. I'm here to tell you in the last day church, the church that will prevail against the gates of hell, that church will come together and function as a total and complete manifestation of the fullness of the ministry of Jesus when he was here. Right now you have apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors. You have all the other power gifts and the motivational gifts and they're all functioning individually. But the reality of it is when God puts it all together and it functions as one man, amen, 
then what we're going to do is see the gates of hell tumble down. But the body is so divided right now and functioning at just a little bit here and a little bit there. You've got 50 churches in the same city preaching and doing the same thing. And what needs to happen is a lot of them need to come together and function as one man. Amen. Amen. See, it's that one corporate man, the manifestation of Jesus to the earth, that's going to bring down the Goliath of this planet. Hallelujah. Not everybody has every gift. I certainly don't function in all of them. You don't. We need one another. And when we begin to understand how much we need one another, then we'll begin to function as God intended us to. But right now, you need to know that you are a part, you're not a whole. The sums of the part make the whole. And if you'll realize that you're a part and you understand what part it is you are and how to connect with the rest, then we're going to get some things done for the kingdom. Then this church will be able to meet every need that's out there in the world. Amen. We'll have people to counsel. We'll have people to deliver. We'll have people to preach and teach. We'll have ministers. We have missionaries. We'll have everything we need to meet the needs of those. And here's the neat thing. The preacher won't have to do it all. I need a bigger amen than that. I said the preacher. Hallelujah. I want to get you guys busy, praise God. Every member should be a minister. Hallelujah. I want to, this is not some valley of bones out here. Amen. This is a mighty army, praise God. Right now it's going to come together, bone against bone, flesh against flesh, hallelujah, until we're collectively operating in the fullness of all that God has for us. That's the church that will prevail against the gates of hell. So what you have to understand is, first of all, let me say this. You've got to know that you are born for a purpose. You're born for a purpose. The reason why you and I were created is because God started with a purpose and then made a person. Let me say that again. God started with a purpose and then made a person. He didn't start with a person and then come up with a purpose. In Jeremiah chapter, let's look over there. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. I want you to just see that I'm just telling you the truth here. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, the call of the young prophet Jeremiah, he says some very interesting things there. Jeremiah chapter 1, look at verse 5. He says this, God's speaking to the young prophet when he calls him. And he says this, before, before I formed thee in the womb. Before I put you in your mother's belly, before I knew you. God had a knowledge of the prophet Jeremiah before his mother was pregnant with him. Before thou camest out of the womb, I sanctified thee. In other words, I set you apart, Jeremiah. And I ordained thee, here it is. A prophet to the nations. And I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. In other words, God started with a person, purpose and created a person. Now, if that holds true with Jeremiah, that's got to hold true with you and I. Now, we may not get a word from the Lord like this. It'd be nice to get one. But the Holy Spirit can communicate his will to your heart if you'll seek him. He'll speak real clear to you what he's called or created you to do. And you'll hear it just as loud as the young prophet Jeremiah heard. The Lord will tell you, this is what I've made you to be. This is what I've called you to do. And look what Jeremiah says right after God tells him that he made him and God ordained him. Look what he says. The first thing he comes up with, he says, Lord God, I cannot speak. I'm just a kid. I'm but a youth. See, when God begins to reveal his destiny and his purpose for your life, you know what will happen? 
Your flesh will take over and say, I can't do that. There's absolutely no way that I can do that. That's so far beyond me. And what you're doing is you're taking inventory of your ability right now and you're going to find yourself lacking and wanting. Amen? Because it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. The only way that you and I can do anything God's called us to is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can't do it. And the neat thing about that, guys, and let me just tell you, when you realize that you can't do it, it creates in your spirit such a dependency upon God. And that's exactly what he wants. Every time you begin to minister, every time you begin to step out in your gift, you cry out, Lord, I need you. Unless you flow through me, unless you minister through me, no one's going to get their lives touched. No one's going to get changed. No one's going to get ministered to in this gift. So it's okay to realize that you can't do it. Because God chooses those people that are really small in the eyes of the world. Amen? So he can get the glory. Amen. That's the whole reason why God does it in the first place. Is so he picks people that the world wouldn't pick, the weak. Amen. Not many noble are called. Not many mighty are called. Why? So that God can magnify himself in that. God can take some little old scrub woman that doesn't even have an education, can't even spell theology, and raise the dead with her. Hallelujah. Amen. God's not looking for pedigrees. He's not looking for academic excellence. He's looking for a yielded heart that will do what he commanded them to do. So when God speaks to you about who you are and what he's called you to do, the first thing that will come to your mind is, I can't do that. Your vision ought to be bigger than who you are. I said, if you, I said, your vision ought to be bigger than who you are. If you can accomplish it in your own strength, it's probably not from God. Why do you need God for that? But if your vision brings you to your knees and cries, makes you cry out, oh God, I can't do that, Lord. Then it's probably the Holy Spirit saying, this is what I've called you to. Your, your, your destiny has been predetermined. Your function has been predetermined. Let me give you one more verse and I'll get out of your way. This is really powerful. Philippians chapter 2. Look at there. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. I want you to understand that the desire that's in you to do what God's called you to do is functioning right now. It's pulling you toward that. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you to both will and do his good pleasure. Did you hear that? It is God that's working in you to both will and do his good pleasure. In other words, God is creating the motivation inside of your heart to do what he created you to do. God put it there. If it's just a passing thing that you want to do it one day and don't want to do it the next day, or you've already forgotten about it, you were hot about it last week, but now it's completely cooled off, it's probably not the will of God for your life. But this thing that's inside of you, this what God created you, will continue to build. And every time you get around somebody that is doing what you're called to do, something just goes off inside of you. Amen? Amen. It just ignites in you because you recognize the call in them that's the same call in you. So God puts it in you to will and do his purpose. So if you'll just let your heart lead you, you'll find yourself producing the fruit that God created you to produce. Follow your heart. Amen. Listen to the Holy Spirit and he will lead you into that which God has created you to do. Let me just give you this. Design determines function. You were created and formed and fashioned for a purpose. See, listen, if I, if I were eating a bowl of soup, I would not need a fork, would I? Because that design does not 
does not, is not conducive to that function, isn't it? So whatever design you are, there's a function that you can fulfill. Amen. See what I'm saying? Now you can try to eat soup with a fork, but it would take you a long time. <laughs> design determines function. What kind of design do you have? What are your strengths? What are your abilities? What are your anointings? What are your gifts? Design determines function. Now understand that. Design determines function. Function determines ministry. If I know my design, then I know my function, and then therefore I can know my ministry. And ministry determines purpose. Hallelujah. So many people, guys, die with their music still in them. They do. I see it. They're 80, 90 years old. And bless their heart. They've been told just work hard, retire, get your gold watch, sit on the porch and rock and talk about how it used to be. Or talk about woulda, coulda, shoulda. Not me and not you. Amen. There's more to the life than just retiring with a gold watch. And if you, if you settle for that, guess what? That's what you'll get. But I pray that there's something inside of you that will not settle for mediocrity, that will not settle for what your daddy had and what mama had. That might have been a good life, nothing bad about that, but guys, I'm asking you to just go ahead and bear much fruit for the glory of God. The much fruit for the glory of God. It's in you now. It's in you now. <laughs> 